the family circus. That, that, that DJ. Voice talent. That, that, that DJ. Longer than you can imagine. Everyone, everyone, everyone's a win, win, winner, winner, winner. Never have the chance, never have the chance. Everyone's a winner. That's sunshine and roses to me. It really is. Recording. What was that? Oh, that was your bottle opener? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Hey. Hey. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Fantastic. You made it. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is so awesome. All right. Um... <laughs> So we decided we'd uh, cut right through the crap and uh, get started with her episode. Uh, good, good, if, good. If, if you're ready to go, I'm ready to go. Go. Excellent. Uh, oh, I- um, just, just uh, we wanted to clarify one thing before we get going. Can you pronounce your last name for us? Groner. Okay. Okay. Excellent. We got it right. I owe Rex fifty dollars. <laughs> no, you got it right. It's uh, <laughs> a, of course it's a German name. Um, it would usually be spelled G-R-O-N-E-R with an umlaut over ah, the, right, the right. which is which is an er sound. And when we um, immigrated, my mother said, uh, well, you know, no one's going to be able to say that. But if you put the O-E, which is actually the same sound, they'll just say groaner and that works out. It works out just fine. Cool. All right. Yeah, I figured that was too easy. I thought it because it, it was spelled like Matt Graining that it would yeah. be pronounced grainer. So No, no, no. I've gotten many different is. pronunciations of this name, so it's perfectly fine with me. <laughs> okay, excellent. Let's do an intro. All right, well, we're just going to do a quick intro, and then we're going to introduce you, and we'll get right into it. Go for it. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, down, vampire. As soon as the sun goes down, down, vampire. Competition is a beautiful thing. Boots here. Hello! Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. And today we have a special episode for you. Oh my god, everybody. <laughs> I, I'm bursting. I'm bursting. It's. <laughs> I need a drink. I need a sip. Mm. We have an extra... You can hear them already. We yes. have an extra special, super duper awesome guest for you today, guys. On Beer with Buffy. The man... The myth, the legend, the giant evil sneakity snake himself, <laughs> Harry Groner, <laughs> Mayor Richard Wilkins. That's right. You heard me correctly. So, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. So, 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 so much for being here with us today. How much time actually do we have with you today? Um, I don't know. It, 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 it can't be more than, than an hour. Um because oh, okay. we have we have my wife and I we have lots of stuff to do today, so I got to get going. But it can't be more. If it can be shorter than that, be great. But if no more than that, I think. Absolutely, I was planning on about half hour, forty five minutes, hour tops. That's so, perfect. That's perfect. So, uh, uh, yeah, excellent. Oh my god, so excited. So uh, <laughs> Rex and I, uh, we have this goal to interview all of the Buffy and Angel big bads eventually someday. It's it's like our bucket list, right? And uh, so every great dream starts somewhere. And you, sir, Harry Groner, have the honor of getting the ball rolling for us. You may not be the first evil, but you're <laughs> our first evil. And you can stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Who have you so, done so far? Who have you interviewed so far? Of the you're our first. Just you. Okay. Yeah, you're you're the one starting it off. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> Uh, which, which is why I'm literally shaking with excitement. So, uh, I, love are, that, are you... I love that you're drinking beer. <laughs> I do. It's beer with Buffy. Joshua, what beer are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking a uh, Bell's Christmas Ale. Are you familiar with Bell's Brewery? They make two hearted ale. I, I'm, I'm not, but I'm certainly familiar with Christmas ale. I'm certainly familiar with a lot of the ales and that came out that the, 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 they come out during the holidays. So I'm certainly familiar with that, but not that in particular. Okay, yeah, I just grabbed it because it's uh, you know it's it's Christmassy and uh, <laughs> it's, oh, it's also a Scotch ale, and I know uh, the mayor liked Scotch. Um, you know, Rex, we, we just. I'm sorry. sorry. What Rex, what are you drinking, Rex? Um, I'm actually I'm cheating and I'm I'm drinking uh, ginger beer 
It's not actual like alcoholic beer. Sometimes we like um, to keep our faculties about us so that we can, uh, you know, not slow down and get all uh, mumbly uh, during the episode. But uh, we we do have a tradition that you witnessed only moments ago on this podcast, and uh, we all enjoy a tasty adult beverage, uh, preferably one that makes a satisfying noise when you open it. So um, I I can only assume that you've got some scotch laying around with a, a decanter. Fashion from the skulls of your enemies? Um, uh, uh, I have a number of them, actually. I have or them. friends. <laughs> I, we don't judge. No questions asked here at Beer with Buffy. That's fine. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I... <laughs> well I'm not going to ask you to go off camera and, and grab it, um, because... Ah, well, I kind of already picked one up today. Yay. And, oh, wow. And I filled it with some scotch. In honor of you and your role as the mayor on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Fabulous. And uh, Rex and I are just going to have a quick toast uh, with a little snifter of it. And oh. uh, I'll, I'll splash some on the screen for you. Um, <laughs> hopefully it's strong enough that it gets through. Are you in L.A.? I am in L.A. Hey, you know, when you get done with it, take some of that scotch. Go outside, pour a little bit on the ground and say uh, thank you to Anne Rice. Oh, there we go. All yeah. right. I will. You yeah, know, say, yeah. say uh, uh, rest in peace, Anne Rice. God bless her. Wait, Anne Rice passed away? Yeah, she did. I didn't hear that. When did that happen? Well, I just saw it today, so I'm not sure. It was just very recent, either yesterday or today. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I really loved the Vampire Lestat. Wow. I read I... all the books, man. I read all those books. I loved I loved uh, her writing. Yeah, I, I, I reference... Uh, her often you know just because yeah. vampires and <laughs> etc yeah, exactly, exactly um well geez and i had another skull joke but i think i'm just gonna pass that one right up uh, <laughs> uh harry groner real talk on beer with buffy <laughs> so <laughs> um so yeah uh what are you doing now do you have any current projects or anything you'd like to shamelessly plug uh well what just recently happened is um i'm going to be uh doing the uh, do you know the the play on broadway called the lehman trilogy i've not heard of it no i've not this at heard all? of it either okay well mm -mm. some of you some of the people watching may know about it. the lehman trilogy is a is a play about the Lehman family. You know, the Lehman stores that used to be here. I mean, it was a huge, huge family. And then I think them, it was yeah. in 2008, it, the, the economy just went and the Lehmans went bust and everything and all the banks and everything else. Remember that when it all went, or well, you too, yeah, too yeah. young to remember that. But anyway, it's a, <laughs> it's a, um, it's a, a, a one. I just remember I, a lifetime of financial strife. Go yeah. on. <laughs> well, I mean, there was a huge, huge, I mean, so many banks were going down, you know, and then Obama yep. came in and he had to try to fix everything. But so many banks were going down and the Lehman uh, uh, organization that all just, you know, did what it did. But this is a play written by uh, Stefano Massini and adapted by Ben Powers and directed by Sam Mendes. And um, it's, uh, it's sort of a mini tour that will go to San Francisco, uh, DC and Chicago. And it's a three character play. And it's, it, it spans, it goes from about uh, mid 19th century to about 2008. And it follows this family. And awesome. it's, uh, uh, that just happened. And we start rehearsals at the end of February and then go to San Francisco, DC and Chicago and finish the second of July, I think. Oh, fantastic. So that just happened. So I'll be I'll be doing that. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a wonderful play to do. Yeah, I, I might um, look that up and try and get tickets. Look, yeah, that well, look it up because fantastic. it's going to be where, where are you guys? Because it's going to come. It's in uh, huh. the, the Broadway company, of course, is working. But then they're going to come here to L.A. to the Amundsen. We're, we're in Michigan. So if you're going to Chicago, that would be where we'd want to hit. Well, we're, we'll, we'll be in Chicago. Look it up and we'll be there for, I think, a couple of weeks. We'll be in Chicago at the Palace Theater. Oh, okay. Okay. We'll do. Yeah, definitely. That sounds amazing. It is. It's a. It's a really. Uh, it's a very interesting piece of theater, um, and gives you a little bit of history of you know. So th this actually kind of brings me to one of the questions I definitely wanted to to get in. Um, I before the interview, I was looking at your uh, IMDb, your, your IMDb page, and mm -hmm. and your acting credits and all this. Which, goodness me. You have a lot, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was looking at it, and I've n I noticed that you haven't done anything film or TV since uh, pre-pandemic. 
That's right. And you've mostly been doing stage work. Do you have, is that your preference? Uh, I was going to ask the same question. This is neat. There really isn't a, uh, there there was a preference when I started uh, doing episodic television and all that, because it was so foreign to me. And I think the first, the first episode I did of a series was uh, an episode of Remington Steel. And when I got onto the set and started to work, it just felt so unfamiliar to me and I felt very uncomfortable. And I said, I don't know that this is really <laughs> what I'd like to do. Because um, theater is, is my first love, of course. Right. Um, but then the more I do it, the more comfortable you are and the more it feels just like the theater really because um i've done a lot of television now and i've done a number of films and um when you go to the different uh, studios and sound stages you will run into people in the makeup department costume shop uh you know ad's directors that you have worked with before so it becomes very familial and uh just like it was just like the theater and many of these people have worked at different regional theaters as well. And so we have people in common. So the whole world just gets smaller and smaller and it's all one thing. It's all theater, just the terms of television and film, just the medium is different, but it's all theater, you know, and you go onto a soundstage and you go onto a set and you look at the set and it's beautiful and all that, but you go behind the set and it's all plywood and, and, (laughs) you know, it looks just like a theater set. So, um, uh, Something about you, that aesthetic that is so alluring to me. I don't know why. It's, that it, well, it's 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 just gritty. fascinating. It's fascinating because Hollywood, man, you can do anything in Hollywood. I mean, they really yeah. can do anything, right? They can they can make us see any on that screen. They can make us see anything. They can create any world they want. And of course, now with computers, they can do absolutely anything. So it's right. it's a fascinating world. But I I do I do like. Um, uh, working in the theater because it's so immediate and you have more control. Once that curtain is up, mm-hmm. it's on you. It isn't right. on an there's, editor. It isn't. There, on there's a, there's no pauses. <laughs> no, no, and you can't you you can't you, you know you can't cut and do the scene again. You have to you have to uh, uh, you have to to do it. And I really like that. I really like that. But actually, during the pandemic, I got to do um, a, 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 a small role, one scene in a limited series called. Uh, White House Plumbers, and this is about a, a section of the Watergate episode, that whole thing with the Watergate. And I think right. uh, Woody Harrelson is in it. Um, uh, Kathleen Turner is in it. Kathleen and I had a scene. Oh, um, yeah, I, yeah, I've yeah, heard and, of that. And I, it, it'll probably, you know, uh, they'll, they'll they'll show it next year, I think. Um, I did do an episode of uh, 9-11 Lone Star, which is on Fox and that's supposed to air uh, in January. There are two episodes that are supposed to air in January, but not too much. You, it, it, you, you really couldn't. And, and for a while right. there, before I got vaccinated, I didn't want to go out anywhere. If, a, if yeah, an opportunity came up to travel or something before you got vaccinated, I said, no, no way. I'm not oh, doing yeah, it. Weird. Right. I'm not going anywhere until I get the shot in my arm. And now I, and now really I would, but both my wife and I are triple vax. We have, we got vaccinated and we have the booster. So I feel much more comfortable about having to travel. Good. Right. You right. Know, yeah, so, I've got um, my booster coming up next week. I'm oh, not looking it, forward do to it, it, but I'm looking forward to having it, you know, do it. And anyone listening, you've got, you've got to do this. You've got to take care of yourself and, and protect yourself and your family and your friends. Seriously, yeah. you heard it from Harry Groner, everybody, and it he's really, not wrong. It really is. Don't, don't, uh, you've really got to, and you'll feel more comfortable being out in public and going to maybe a restaurant or going to see yes. your friends and all that. We were at a, yeah. a little Christmas gathering last night, and I, and I love them. There's, these are good people, very good friends. But before going into the house, they, they had a guy there, and you show your vaccination card, and they take your temperature. Yep, yep. So we, that there's everyone an event in that the house, on a regular basis that yeah. So that. that everyone in the house, you all know that everyone in the house is vaccinated. Now they had an outside area, and we were outside most of the time, <clears throat> but still, I just love that they're doing that. Oh right, they can you do know, that in LA. We were at the uh, in the afternoon yesterday. We were <laughs> yes, down at so. Disney Hall to see uh, to listen to the Master Chorale, you know, sing Christmas carols. And it's just such a wonderful thing to do. And they're so brilliant, these people. But, you know, at the Disney Hall, they, they check your vaccination card, check your ID, mm-hmm. and they give you a little you know, wristband so that you uh, so that everybody knows that everybody's vaccinated in the theater. I think that's just brilliant. 
Yeah, I yeah. had a horrible anxiety breakdown during the initial lockdown phase of like three months, and the vaccine really helped pull me out of it, just psychologically. Right. Um, yeah. But obviously, you know, because of the real safety net that it gives you, like even if you get a breakthrough case, you're still gonna um, probably have a less severe case. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're, you're not going to end up on a ventilator. You know, you're not yeah. going to be in the emergency room. Uh, you may feel uncomfortable. You may feel like you have the flu a little bit. <clears throat> but um, no, it's, <laughs> it's, everybody has to. Everybody has got to get vaccinated. Also, get the country back back uh, on track again. We're still held yeah. back by the people who aren't getting vaccinated. We're still held back in terms of getting back to normal. Mm-hmm. Boy, I'm so glad we agree on all this. This interview could have gone real <laughs> sideways if we disagreed on that. Oh, man, right? right? <laughs> Thank you very much. See you and good night. <laughs> and goodbye. <laughs> oh, man, that was a real fear that I was having. Like, what if he hates us? What if he hates us, Rex? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> no, we, we know that uh, uh, the, the character of Mayor Wilkins would not like our podcast. Um <laughs> We're we're way we're way too vulgar for the mayor's tastes. Yeah, I, yeah, he's pretty conservative. You think he's a Republican? <laughs> oh yeah, right? seems right? likely. It seems likely to me too. <laughs> but do you think he? Do you think he would have gotten vaccinated? No, right. he didn't need to. He was immortal. Yeah. Right, but, but but before that, before eventually, he, before he becomes immortal, before that. Let's say he's just you know, right at the very, very beginning and he's on his he's on his journey and this thing comes up. Would he get vaccinated with all his germ things? Right. With all his, oh, his yeah. phobias about germs. I, I, I think point. I think he would. I, I don't think he. I was going to say, I think he personally would get vaccinated, but then tell everybody else that it's all a hoax. Yeah. I like, probably you know some people we we have heard of in the news. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting thing to think about. Actually, with him, you know, would he get vaccinated? It's yeah. fascinating, fascinating. Uh, yeah, definitely. And uh, uh, down the line here, I've definitely got a couple more uh, character style questions. So I'm glad you uh, seem up to the task. I know it's been like 20 years since you did the show, and I don't know how much uh, people bug you about that. And uh, uh, obviously, you don't hate it, or you might not have said yes to a Buffalo no, Vampire Slayer podcast. No one bugs me about it. I love it. I it was just uh, at the beginning of November. I went to England to do a Buffy convention there. Oh, and nice! It was it was really wonderful. I love the fan. The fans are so great. The sci-fi fans, you know, I mean, it, whether it's Buffy or whether it's Star Trek, whether it's any of the yeah. sci-fi fans are really wonderful. And I'm a sci-fi nut. And so we have all of this in common. And so I love the sci-fi shows. I love seeing them. I love and 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 Buffy. I had I watched it before I got the gig. So I because I, I love the whole vampire myth. Yeah. And so um, I, I, I'm right with you. I'm right with you in terms of loving uh, all the sci-fi and all the Buffy things and all that. I'm right there. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Um, th- I mean, that's great to hear uh, because, you know, I've always wanted to go to more conventions, but I'm always scared that uh, it's just going to be a bunch of uh, toxic elitist uh, type people because I do a lot of video gaming and that tends to be how the crowd plays. No. But it, it's really nice to hear that the, the in-person conventions yeah, are a lot cooler Oh, they're, um, they're, they're really cool. And because we all have the same thing in common, we all have the love of this particular story. And so everybody yeah. is everybody is really into it and they're very respectful and they're very uh, no one is no one is no there's no crazy people. Some people may like to dress up and do all that. And that's all fine. You know, that's all good. But everybody is just they're all just regular people that really enjoy this. And they come in for this convention and they get their they get their pictures taken and they get autographs and they get to spend some time with people who represented the characters that they really like on the screen. And so it's a it's a joy. It really is a joy. Yeah, and and this is a joy. Yeah, it, <laughs> and I mean that that's pretty much one of the answers to a question that you had. A- absolutely, I was gonna say uh, I because I know other podcasts, um, at least one that I can think of, have interviewed a lot of the other core Scooby Gang. But as far as I know, we rarely ever hear from actors that have played a less frequent but arguably equally amazing roles from the Buffyverse. So um, I guess. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, my question is, and this might just come off a little bit egotistical, but I have to know, were you surprised to get asked for an interview? Do you do these types of interviews uh, often for yeah, podcasts? I do. I, I've done a number of them. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and I, I enjoy them. I like, I like talking about Buffy. Buffy's a, Buffy was one of the best experiences uh, in television that I've had. And so, and the cast was terrific. Joss, Joss was amazing. And so I, I really lucked out. I, I said, I, this is really a great gig. And I, I'm the luckiest guy in the world when I got it. So um, I, I, I love it. And in fact, when the show finally ended, when the series finally ended, I was, I, I, I was a little depressed because not so much because of not being on it, but I wanted to know what happened to the kids. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wanted to I wanted to know, well, now this is it. But what happens now? What ha- <laughs> what happens to Buffy? What happens to Xander? What happens to all these people? I really yeah. wanted to continue the story. I wanted to know more about. You, it. So I was I was you know about the over. season eight comic, right? Huh? Do you know about the season eight comic? There, there's I, know a about, comic. I know. I know about a comic book. I haven't. I haven't really seen. I'm not really into comic books, but I haven't. There's. I, a, they did yeah. a comic book called Season Eight. That is a continuation <laughs> of the story. I find them hard to read as well. Um, it's. I mean, but there's more than just one more season. There's like tons of seasons. Yeah, in there's, comic book there's form a lot more. I don't remember how much more there is, but there there's a comic that continues the story. So you oh, can good. find out like what happens good. with these characters. But yeah, it would have been so much more fun to watch it in uh, in a TV film yeah. A media. I, yeah. Um, so yeah, one of my questions was also going to be, um, obviously, uh, Buffy is still extraordinarily popular today. Are you surprised that it's still this popular? Did you know or predict that Buffy was going to be something so special and long term that it would build this kind of a cult following? Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't know that. I knew that it was popular. Uh, no one knows when you begin a series uh, how popular it's going to become, or whether it's going to be successful or not. No one right. really, they, they don't really know that. Um, I'm very happy that it is. And in fact, you know, it seems to be passed down from generation to generation. I'm meeting yeah. people in, in their, you know, 40s and 50s who love Buffy and still love yeah. Buffy. And then I meet people that are in 12, 13 and 14 that are into Buffy. And so nice. it's really and that's a testament to the show itself and to the writing and and to absolutely and to the to and to the story. It's a testament to the people who created it, that it, it, it transcends and it, and it continues from generation to generation. That's really a good thing. But I guess to rephrase my question ever so slightly. Uh, did you <laughs> did you have a feeling about it? Did you feel like, I think this is something I'm going to be remembered for, something that's oh. going to hold water for a long time to come? Because no. I know James Marsters has said things like that in interviews. Uh, Nicholas Brendan said something to that effect. Uh, but you didn't? No, I, I, I didn't think it was going to. I think I thought it was going to be popular and it might be, you know, probably for a while. And there might be something, but I didn't know that it would last this long. I didn't have any feeling that it was going to last this long. It's, it, that's that's sort of surprising uh, to me. Um, and I'm glad I'm really happy that it is right. because uh, it, it just it keeps the show going. And I think there's, I just think the show is so wonderful and that that more people are enjoying it is uh, is great is great so as far as uh you actually being on the show your experiences with being on the show um one of the things i was really curious about uh, a lot of your time on screen is with elijah dushku Mm -hmm. and the chemistry between your two characters is honestly the thing that makes that season and it that chemistry is what really makes your character just as good as it is. And I, I'm really curious how, how, like, what was the chemistry like behind the camera? Oh, well, she, she, uh, she's a wonderful, <clears throat> excuse me, wonderful actress and a wonderful person. We had, we really got along very, very well um, and love doing those scenes. Oh my God. They're just great, great scenes. I got to tell you when I got the script, you know, for the, uh, uh, when she's finally comes to him and you get to the part where he opens the door and there she is. I went, Oh my God, (laughs) how fabulous (laughs) is this? Uh That was a great moment. Oh my God. But, but as I'm reading it, because I didn't know if that was going to happen. And so as I'm reading it, I go and then there's faith and you go, Holy shit, man, this is great. Um, 
No, we had a, a really wonderful time. I was, I, but I really wanted to make clear to, to Joss and I really wanted to, and both of us felt this way very, very clearly that there, that it had to be, um, it had to be very clear that this is, this is a kind of a father daughter kind of relationship. It's that yeah. kind of relationship. It cannot be in any way. And there cannot be any hint of any kind of, uh, sexuality or or anything like that that has got oh, and gotta, we commented on that ad infinitum during our episodes oh, yeah. when we were covering season three and we were like thank god they didn't go there no you know? no no and and I, I i i would really have had a problem if it did really yeah. really i would have had a problem it can't be that because he gets the 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 daughter that he could never have and devote himself to her and commit to her and love her the way he could love somebody. And she gets someone who gives her unconditional love, which she's never, ever had before. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. you know, he, 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 he accepts her for who she is unconditionally. There are no, yeah. I'll love you. If right. There's none of right. that. He just does it. It's and just she, so unfortunate that he's so evil. <laughs> right, but that's the one thing that humanizes the character. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. everything else that makes you so terrifying is how smiley and just <laughs> boy, I sure love uh, not Marmaduke. It was Mr. Trick that liked Marmaduke. What was it? I, you know what I mean? Family yeah. circus. Family circus. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, um, and it, then it he. Was- it was, it's, it's always an afterthought for the mayor about, oh, and sure, you can go handle those bad guys. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it and, also and, and it also and I talked that Justin and I, we talked about this. It also became his Achilles heel. She became his Achilles heel. Yeah. Yeah. She became the weakness, his weakness. I mean, he was mm-hmm. immortal. You couldn't kill him, blah, 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 all this stuff. And he was going to go what? Take over the world or something. I don't know what he was going to do, but he was whatever. But. She became his Achilles heel, and that's what eventually, and they and they 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 learned that, and that's eventually how they, you know, destroyed him. So as far as the the mayor as a character, um, like how much, how much of of who the mayor was was your direct doing or just just from the script as far as like his his tone and and all that. Well, a lot of it was very clear from the script itself. It really was seemed to me to be very very clear, and uh, he was um, not overly threatening he doesn't have to be overly threatening right. it's that's the one thing about power once you uh, uh have the power and he eventually has you know seemingly ultimate power you don't really have to do anything it it's it, other people do things right you yeah, you, yeah. you don't have to yell you don't have to scream you don't have to anything because we know what 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 someone with that kind of power can do he can just go bam and you're dead so we know we we understand that so and I understand that, and so um, we, we uh, that that was really very very clear. If there was ever a point in the playing of it where I started to get a little too evil, you know, or if I started to go, you know, you must pay the rent, you must pay the rent, or whatever it is, and twirl my mustache. <laughs> right, yeah. If yeah. I ever if I ever started down that road, Josh would just say, you know, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. Just mm-hmm. throw it away. Don't worry about it. So he was a good guide that way. But it's pretty much on the script. It's pretty much right there on the as far as I was concerned, it was right there. It told you what to do. And um, and I know how to I'm, I'm very comfortable playing roles where there's a lot of where the, where the character has power. I've played in a lot of classical plays. I played kings uh, and I played, you know, aristocracy and I've played. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there was a play at the Mark Taper Forum here in Los Angeles called Ghetto by Joshua Sobel. This is based on a true story and about the Vilna Ghetto in Lithuania during World War II. And I played the SS officer in charge of the ghetto. Well, the SS officer in charge of that ghetto has ultimate power over all those people. Yeah. Yeah. And he yeah. literally had uh, 
the power of life and death. He literally did that. And he said, you're going to die and you're not. You're gonna die. He literally did that. He was a real person, by the way. Um, and I played that. And I and, and again, it, with that one, I didn't have to be evil. I didn't have to right. play evil. You just had to be who you who you were. And it was obvious that you're a Jew. And so you have to die. You know, <laughs> it was just, wow. Yeah, it was yeah. just that evil kind people of, never think that they're evil. No, yeah, no, I mean, and the Nazis, the, the Nazis were incredible that way. They were very, very seductive. They were very smart in how they and how they, many of them, how they did all that. A lot of times they're portrayed um, on television as you know, uh, it's just bad acting. It really is just bad acting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I am, well, the, I am the SS officer, and I am, I am evil, and I am bad. You know, you, you, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you don't have to do that. You have the power. You have the, you have the run of the country. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, it's always been the that the the villains that really really get to us at our <laughs> core are the villains who are just people that understand power dynamics any day yeah that's and, right and no that, that's absolutely that's it's absolutely terrifying right. <laughs> yeah no you don't have to a lot of the a lot of the fans would say to me that one of the things that was really scary about him was the fact that he didn't have any horns and scales and teeth and you know and claws and he wasn't a monster he was looked like your guy next door like yeah. you're like just like a guy he, next he door was your friend's like, dad yeah yeah it was just uh, what was inside his, what was in his heart, was in his mind. That's what yeah. was the darkness and the blackness and the evil was there. Um, exactly. And, and in contrast to all of these traditional examples of power that you've uh, brought up, I, uh, one of my favorite movies that you were in recently, the Netflix special, A Feudal and Stupid Gesture, yeah. <laughs> uh, where you play Doug Kenny's dad. Yeah. Even the whole movie revolves around the power that you have over your son yeah. and it's it's so powerful your hold over him that he just has to have your approval that he runs out and he creates the greatest comedy movie of all time and an extraordinarily successful magazine and he just still doesn't have your approval that's power yeah. that's right <laughs> that's right and it's crazy, but it's also just such a funny movie. Oh my it is God. a it is a good flick, and then I had a really good time doing that. That was fun. That was yeah, really fun. Uh, yeah. I love how you always see um, characters or, or not characters. You always see comedy actors running in packs and flocks. Like <laughs> usually, when one pops up, you get three or four more in any particular movie. And I thought this movie was a a great meta example of that because it was about. Uh, one of those original classic comedy troops. He got yeah. Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, John Belushi, and it was really ultimately about the um, how uh, it it wasn't just about the creation of I want to say Mad Magazine, not Mad Magazine, uh, the National Lampoons, yeah, yeah. Uh, but how that spun off into uh, Saturday Night Live, I, and I, Saturday Night Live spun off into Thirty Rock, and you see all of these <laughs> same actors just. Uh, intertwined throughout the process and i uh, it's just it's really fascinating to me especially because also the the reason i thought of that is you're in that movie also mark metcalf pops up uh <laughs> seth green is in there for a cameo and uh, you obviously had the biggest part but uh uh and i was curious did that happen uh because you all know each other or was that pure purely coincidence no, really, a lot of the actors on the set I didn't know. I, I've met <clears throat> Martin Mull, I think I've met in auditions and things, but we don't really know each other. Seth, I met on the set of Buffy. Um, but uh, I didn't really, you know, know a lot of things. But actors are are, are, an, are an interesting group of, of gypsies. We just sort of, you, you latch on to each other. You know, you, it, you don't have time. There's no time to nurture a relationship over many months or years or whatever it is. You have only a few days. If you're right. on a film set, you only have maybe a few days, maybe an hour or two, something to to, to try to have some kind of relationship that you're going to uh, uh, bring to the scene. Uh, when you're doing theater, you know, you have a, a, a few weeks of rehearsal and then you're into the run. You have a very short time to, to get to know each other and get to trust each other. Yeah. Uh, and so we've learned... Uh, how to, uh, you know, there's a lot of breakdown of barriers. There's a lot, you just break all that crap down and just 
just be a, a real person so that you can get on with your work and get on with the play and get on with the scene. And some scenes could be very, very uh, um, difficult to do and emotionally uh, uh, taxing. And so you have to, you have to trust the other actor to gain that, to gain that trust is really, right. really important. And you have to do that. And most of the actors that I've worked with almost it, it, it do that. It's just an unspoken thing. You come in, you go, Hey, how are you? And I haven't met that person, but you just, but there's somebody, the, the, long, the longer you're in this business, the, the, the degrees of separation just shorten, you know, well, you, you yeah, just know everybody knows everybody. And so you will have, you know, we all will have friends in common. And so that's always a great way to, to get to know somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I used to do a lot of live community theater. I actually got my bachelor's degree in theater. And that is that is all just so true. I miss that so yeah. much. And I've just I have, you know, work got in the way and I just haven't been able to get back to it. But it's just so good to hear that experience um, yeah. prevails still and that it, it wasn't just me. It's and that it, <laughs> it ascends all the way up to the professional level. It, it does. It, not, it really, really theater does. is magical everywhere. You know? It really, really does. The percentage of true assholes in the theater. I mean, really, <laughs> really, the percentage of them is so small. And this this you know, this this goes over to television and film as well. They really are so small. Most people are really nice. And those people that are that way would be that way no matter what profession they're in. Yeah. Right. They're just they're just like that. They're just <laughs> people that are not very nice. And I've only run into literally a handful maybe of people like that in my over 50 years of being in this business. And so, well, and um, uh, with, with your, with your filmography, like, you know, I did a count between TV film and plays. You're, you're up to more than 140 acting credits. Yeah. And that's, you know, that makes you pretty prolific. Yeah. That's, and, that's a very optimistic view of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> Do you know what your bacon number is? My bacon? Did you say bacon <laughs> number? You did say bacon number. Okay, so the a bacon it's number probably is two. for the game of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Let's just start with, have you ever been in a movie with Kevin Bacon? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no, um, so it's not one. No, your your bacon number is two. Oh. Now, You've never what, heard what the that means degrees of Kevin you Bacon? Are, you are separated by two degrees from Kevin Bacon. So here, uh, as an example... <laughs> Um, as an example, you were in Road to Perdition with Tom yeah. Hanks, yeah. and Tom Hanks was in Apollo 13 with Kevin Bacon. There it is. <laughs> Got it. So, so the because the, the game is you you name an actor and then you figure out how many degrees of separation they have from Kevin Bacon, and that that decides your your Bacon number. And got it's, it. You're you're golden for for bacon numbers because if you if you get any actor that you're trying to find their bacon number it's easy to get to you and then you have a, a such a long long list of, of films and shows and stuff that you've been in that you've been with <laughs> you've worked with so many actors you're 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 prime for the bacon number i can't believe you're having this conversation right now <laughs> yes. i love that i lo no, but it's absolutely so, true it's absolutely if, true if you've ever wondered what people who are not professional actors do for fun, now you know. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you know, if you ever get the chance to be in a, a film with Kevin Bacon, it will actually drop your Bacon number to one. And that's gold. That's like gold. <laughs> and that's gold. just winning. That's all you need. Uh, anything else you've ever done, mayor included, doesn't even matter. Welcome to Beer with Buffy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. Uh, we passed up a question that I wanted to ask as an add-on to your question earlier, Rex. So okay. uh, the, uh, the generally the consensus is that Buffy the Vampire Slayer is just one big metaphor for the trials and tribulations of growing up, specifically as a teenage girl. Okay, maybe not specifically, but um, strong overtones. Uh, so what would you say that the mayor represents in terms of Buffy's journey as the Slayer? But, you know, if you cut out all the supernatural vampire cult stuff, I have I, I, I don't I don't think in those terms. So I have no idea how to answer that. <laughs> Good. I, I don't, we think I don't like it's yes. completely literal. I, he was I, a snake I demon. No, I have no idea what he might represent in her life. I, okay. I don't know. I can't think about that. I, I just I just go in. I try to think about what does the character want and what is he willing to do to get it? And that's all you really got to 
figure out when you're doing a scene. All right. Uh, cool. Good to know. Yeah, because I had some sort of vague notion that, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe his ascension represent because it happened on her graduation day. And now she's dealing with, you know, before the mayor, the biggest asshole she had to put up with was, you know, besides the master and yada, yada, yeah. was uh, Principal Snyder in terms of uh, political authority figures. Um, so I think it had oh. something to do with that, but I'm not going to bother trying to wax too philosophical <laughs> about it. No, let other people try to figure that stuff out. Let, Seriously. Let them try to figure it out. Definitely. Man, that just, I miss, I miss Principal Snyder. I Why know. did you have to eat Principal Snyder? Yo, why'd you do that, man? <laughs> why did I eat him? That's, and Armin is a dear friend. And so I was, and he was very tasty. So I, I, was, I was, that was my next question. Yeah, did no, he at least Armin, taste Armin is a dear friend. Hey, um, do you, this is, this is, this is kind of interesting. I, well, I think it's kind of interesting. I'm already um, interested. Um, in this, in this scene, and the fans will know this, in the scene in the, in the cafeteria when the mayor meets Buffy for the first time, where they all meet mm. for the first time and they have that, yeah. uh, uh, they have to make a trade of some kind. And they oh, meet the yeah. very, very first time. I, I have another question about that scene. Well, maybe okay. not that scene, but but as on. But at the beginning of the scene, you see him walking down the hall and then walking into the cafeteria. Yeah. Behind, in the hallway, behind him is a pedestal. On the pedestal is a bust of the first is principal. I think of the school Flutie is a Flutie. Or, yeah. 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 The well, he's principal. the principal from season one anyway. Okay. Anyway, that's that, that, that's a bus that could have been me because I auditioned for that role. Really? Oh yeah. I auditioned for that role and thank God I didn't get it, but I auditioned for that. Yeah. Role. So when I knew during the rehearsals of that scene, I walked by and I look at that guy and I go, I could have been you. I could, I could have been me. <laughs> but, I, no, yeah, I I'm really happy. I'm really happy you didn't get that role either. We were also going to, uh, we're still going to try and interview Principal Flutie. I just really want to ask him what it was like to be eaten by hyenas. Um, <laughs> Is that what he was? Was he eaten by hyena? He was eaten by hyenas. Episode four or something, super early. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a very short season. Do, do, do. I mean, I definitely would vote for turning into a snake and getting exploded over being eaten by hyenas. You know, Absolutely. They, showed, they showed me... Uh, they, when we talked about it, it was only supposed to be an eight episode arc for him. And it's because of the fans that it was extended as long as it was extended. Right. But at the very beginning, they showed me they made a model of the snake that it would turn into. The model was about I, I don't know if you can see it was about. Let me see if I can do it. Model was about that big, that tall. OK. And 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 they showed it to me and it said this oh, little you know, plastic model of this snake. I said, that's really kind of cool. And he said, that's what you're going to be turned into eventually at the end <laughs> of the series. I said, OK, terrific. But um, yeah, no, it, it 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 was only supposed to be eight. And then the fans just made it longer. And then the very last episode, you know, where he comes back and Faith have that. They have that scene. He, yeah. She that thing that we have to thank my wife for because this is absolute truth we were in new york doing something because that time at, at that time we lived both places but we were there we came back here we were having breakfast at a coffee shop and we had we found out at that point that buffy would have his last season it was it was into its last season it wasn't going to be renewed and she uh -huh. said to me, you should contact them because maybe they'll put you in the an episode of the last season. I said, they're not going to they're not going <laughs> to do that. And she literally said to me, don't be an asshole. Give them a call. Seriously. So, <laughs> seriously. So right then I called my agent and I said, OK, so they're doing the last season of Buffy. Do you think there's any interest in you know putting the mayor in there? Will you give them a call and find out? Well, they were interested and they wrote this scene. And uh it's all thanks to my wife, Dawn. I've told this at Buffy Convention, so some people will have heard this already. But yeah. uh, it's all because of her that that last, that last scene happened and was put in. It's all because of Dawn. That's awesome. That is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And, I mean, also, I'm glad to hear that even just the, the fans are so influential in how they play things out sometimes. Yeah. I wouldn't have expected that. I would have expected they've got everything written out and, like, I don't care what these assholes think. We have a schedule to stick to, you know? Yeah. 
And some people do, in fact, do that. No, no, it's only eight episodes. That's all it's going to be no matter what. Some people do do that. But, you know, Joss is a brilliant man. And the people putting the show together are very smart. They understand the demographics. They understand and they and they will write to uh, the characters that is very popular with the with the audience. And the mayor was. And so they added some episodes, thank God. And so I lucked out. I really lucked out. Fantastic. Yeah, you, we we all did. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> I mean, we're we've been doing this podcast for a couple of years now. Almost. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, it's all because it's a show we love and we we wanted to to share that. And you know, we have great fans that also want to share that and it's yeah. been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a hard question I, I kind of just wanted to get out of the way. Um, obviously, Joss Whedon deserves phenomenal respect artistically. Uh, he's done absolutely amazing things. But we were wondering, did you have anything to comment on regarding the uh, the multitude of actors, uh, starting with Charisma Carpenter, oh. that uh, outed Joss Whedon on toxic behavior and harassment on the set? I, I actually don't because I, I, I didn't experience any, any of that uh, uh, on when I was working there, so I don't know anything about their experience. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so I, I really can't say and shouldn't say anything because I, I honestly don't know anything about it. I never saw any kind of behavior from him toward women that would support uh, the the accusations. The accusations might very well be true. I honestly don't know, and so. Right. I have to just sort of leave it at that. It's not my, yeah. not that's my. That's a hundred percent fair. Definitely, you know, it's not. It isn't my place to say. I don't know. I didn't. I, I didn't see any of it. Uh, uh, the way that the way things are going in the world, I, I, if it's true, I'm not surprised. You know, right. that for for anybody in power, uh, not just Joss, but anybody in power that behaves that way, yeah. Um, yeah. we've seen too much of it. I think, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately in the last <laughs> i don't know we've just seen too much of it that kind of behavior yeah. is is reprehensible and it should be um called on it should be outed and taken care of yeah and it, obviously like you said your experience is not the same as somebody else's experience but mm-hmm. you no know, i think i think that's all a very wise enlightened uh take on it um so just wanted to get that out of the way. Yeah. It was on my list. Um, on, off the on, list. A, on a lighter note. Yeah. I, okay. So this is, this is a question I've literally always at, wanted to ask every single celebrity I've ever met. If I ever meet celebrities. And so this so, is one. Yes, this is one. <laughs> You're the first celebrity I get to ask this to. I've always wanted to ask this to a celebrity. Um, who is your favorite actor? Wow. Uh-oh. <laughs> or wow. or if if that's a bit too broad who like what's like the character in a film or something that that you particularly love or like watch over and over again that you know just who's your favorite like your favorite part or maybe like a scene or something just that always is like it's in your head highlighted lives in your your brain right okay he gets it let the man answer (laughs) you know rex that's a really really hard question because when i was a very young boy the the actor that i loved to watch uh in his movies was steve mcqueen but i'm i'm you know 10 11 12 i'm like that so he was he was somebody that i just really loved and uh, could see his movies, and still to this day, I could still see Great Escape. I could still see you know, Magnificent Seven. I could still see a lot of his films. I just think he's a an interesting an interesting guy. And and uh, but there were a lot of actors at that time that did a lot of those movies that are just I don't know they're just fun. It's like it's like you can't not watch any of the Bourne movies, you know. Right. <laughs> Once they're on, you click your stuff or the Godfather movies. You click them, you got and you're stuck. You got to watch, right? Um, it sounds like how we loved Jim Carrey growing up, but now we're like, he's kind of crazy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But but I mean, there are so many wonderful uh, men and women uh, w- w- that are doing incredible work 
uh, in television and film and in the theater that it's it's really, really hard to pinpoint it and put say, well, that person is just the best. I, I can't do that. Um, right. There are there are so many. Uh, yeah, great question, Rex. How many enemies can you make for yourself right now? Go. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, uh, you know, and they're and they're really, you know, they're getting challenging, challenging roles um, in that medium in television and film. Women in particular are getting some very, very challenging roles yeah. mm-hmm. and and roles they might not have been cast in maybe 10 years, 15, 20 years ago, but they're really getting. Uh, some fabulous role and 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 men of course have it a little easier have always had it easier in this business um and and but they're getting good they're getting really good interesting and the the writing is just getting better we're getting told really really fabulous stories you yeah. know there's really good good stuff on television you could you could spend your entire day just watching one fabulous show after another and uh i, I think that's just, just very exciting it's just so much product out there so much work out there um with that that's really really excellent and so uh that's exciting to me but i but i rex i can't answer your question other than and that's I, fair I, I didn't I, expect I, just, I didn't expect a uh like oh it's definitely this person but i just always wanted to ask that <laughs> well and you might get the same answer from a lot of actors although they will be they say well i like so-and-so i like so-and-so i like so-and-so um I, they're just there's just so many. <laughs> All right. Well, so I, I have a completely ridiculous question that oh, I just can't I can't help myself. So uh, when I think of Mayor Richard Wilkins, the first image that pops into my into my head it is just burned into my retinas is when you ate that huge black crab creature, which uh, we lovingly referred to as scuttlebutt bugs on our episodes <laughs> about that. And yeah. uh I'm just curious, how did you film that? Because all I, all I can think of is that giant black crab leg going all the way into your mouth. Were you <laughs> miming that, or did you actually have no. something to eat? Clearly, it was some sort of CG, I think. No, no. What happened was, it wasn't CG. What happens is that the the, the prop master comes to you and says, we're going to make this spider, and <laughs> what uh, can you eat? Uh, Tootsie Rolls. You know what a Tootsie Roll is? Of yeah. course, of course. Okay. Can you eat Tootsie Rolls? I said, yeah. So he molded the leg that I was oh. to eat in from a Tootsie Roll <laughs> and, no. then, and then uh, did food coloring to make it black. So I'm oh. eating, so I'm, I'm actually eating something. It isn't, it isn't CGI. I'm actually eating something. Now, the problem is that if you've ever eaten a Tootsie Roll, it takes a long time to eat yeah. a Tootsie Roll. That was my first concern. Right? So you will see me with a with a napkin, uh, you know, as if I'm wiping my mouth, you know, having eaten it. But what I'm actually doing is, because you have to get on the scene, out, right? right? Is spitting it out and putting it in. So I'm eating it, then I spit it out and put it on the thing so we can continue the scene. But it's huh. a Tootsie Roll. It's a Tootsie Roll. Nice. Cool. That's... Yeah, I like that. I'll never think of Tootsie Rolls the same ever again. <laughs> Eat them to become invulnerable. That's uh, what that's what it is. Exactly. Those things always remind me reminded me of head crabs from Half Life Two. You're probably not a huge video game person, are you? I'm not. No. Okay. Well, then we'll just move on from that. Two to do two. Um. I mean, I'm pretty much out of questions at this. Yeah, this crap. Stage. I'm I'm kind of out of questions too. And, and we're uh, getting to be we're getting to be about 50, nearly fifty minutes. Getting pretty close to the time, end so. here. All right. Uh, just as a stinger, do you have anything highly inappropriate or marginally offensive you'd like to say to um, Josh and Rex of Beer with Buffy and its listeners? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just it's how we bond. Um, I, I know kids are crazy these days. Uh, not that I would know since I haven't been one for about twenty years, but I digress. <laughs> Uh, yeah. How, Anything, how would you like to leave this? I'm going to leave this in your capable hands, Harry Groner. I, I, I will, I will not say anything offensive. There's no reason to be say anything offensive. You guys were great. I had a lovely <laughs> I'm time. I'm offended by that. <laughs> I have a lovely time talking to you. I, I want everyone to enjoy their holidays, but I want most importantly, I want everyone to get vaccinated. Yes. yes. So, um, but everyone have a, enjoy your holidays, be smart, be safe, take care of your families. Take care of your friends, wear a mask, um, and just in, in, and, and I hope Santa brings you everything you want. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my God. Thank you so freaking much. Uh, oh, for you're so doing welcome, this. Joshua. Yeah. Um, and Merry Christmas to you. And I wish you and your wife, Dawn, all the best. And uh, maybe we can meet you in person someday. At, That'd, at, be at a, That'd be at great. That'd be great. One of those yeah. uh, convention things, or we might come and see your show. Cool. Um, this has been so much fun. Yeah. Thank, thank you I'm so really much glad. for your time. Thank you, Joshua. And, and thank putting you, up with our shenanigans. Oh, you guys are great. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's fun. I, I, you know, we're all on the same, we're all on the same page. We, I love talking about this stuff. I love talking about Buffy. I love talking about any of the sci-fi stuff. It's just heaven, heaven. Awesome. Yeah. They, thank, it was heaven you for, for me your time as well. Alrighty. Um, all right. Well, we'll let you go then. Ha- thank have you a good very rest much. of your day. You take thank care. Bye. Bye everybody. Bye now. We did it, Rex. Yeah. We Damn, just, that we, was... We just interviewed Harry Groner. Yeah. And I think it went swimmingly. I I think we are... We are we're professionals now. You're still recording, like, right? Yeah, of course. I mean... We're, we're professionals. Yeah. We're, <laughs> like that, I was going to say we're not it. getting paid for this. We are kind of getting we, paid We've officially made it. We, we've made it. Yeah. Like that... Item on the bucket list. Done. There we're, it is. We're, there we go. Success. <laughs> Ding! <laughs> Not so much cha-ching, but ding. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that was that was awesome. That was, that was awesome. Too much fun, like actually. Yeah. Whew. I was so nervous about that. You know, I was nervous till we started. Right. Oh like, yeah. That's just how I operate. Well, though. that's how uh, adrenaline works. Like yes. I was literally shaking, but I knew that after about ten, <laughs> yeah, fifteen I saw minutes, you when you're when you're pouring the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Clatter, clatter, clatter. You may or may not hear that. Hey, you're still recording, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, I spent so much money on this fucking skull, guys. You know, we might... Um, I don't know if we can auction or raffle that off or something to our listeners. I don't know. I don't know if it would be a great thing to mail because it's glass. Hey, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you can pack it really well and put a fragile sticker on it. And as long as, like... Yeah, and but I'm, I'm I don't even know if it showed up on the video. It did. Um, it okay, did. you saw it. Yeah, because I half of that interview I had my uh, my Zoom screen minimized so that I could read my notes. Right, right. Anyway, no, I I think that was great. I that was a lot of fun. I damn yeah. So that- Merry Christmas, everybody. This is your extra big special super duper bonus episode of Beer with Buffy. Yeah, uh, we could actually release this. For Christmas, I was thinking about that. You know, um, I, I think we should release our previous episode. <laughs> I'm not even going to edit this. Fuck it. Our previous episode on the twentieth, like we had planned, and then release this also on Christmas. Yeah, because so dear fans, because we've been gone like uh, three. Merry months. fucking Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> Merry fucking Christmas <laughs> to you. Do we want to do a? traditional outro hey don't forget to check us out on facebook and twitter we should follow us on twitter you can always email us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com if you have any questions comments or concerns if you want to buy some of our stupid shit with our logo on it that's not so stupid go to (laughs) beerwithbuffy.com slash shop uh you might want to put a www on the beginning of that but i don't think it matters if you'd like to support us you can go to patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy we have a cat naming perk and uh, I don't know. We might start up a uh, a special content Patreon specific content thing, just so that you can watch the video of that interview. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I think I, that'd I be think, neat. Actually, no. If you, we will. Release, you can see how shaky I was for the first yeah, twenty let, minutes. Uh, if you want to actually see the video of this interview the, uh, that we recorded of our Zoom meeting with Harry, uh, that will be. For all Patreon supporters, yeah, to to watch. I didn't know he was going to do video, but I'm really yeah. glad he did video. Yeah, totally. Um, totally. Anyway, don't forget to review us on iTunes. We still have a a uh, we still have a review drive going on. We are going to give somebody a free beer with Buffy hoodie. All you have to do is review us on iTunes and actually write a review with a name that we can track you down at. Yes. So. You can also, anytime you want to, give us a voicemail uh, at 269-743-0783. You can text us at that phone number. Uh, as always, a huge shout-out to JJ Treadway for our opening, closing, and transitional music. 
This has been Beer with Fucking Buffy. Yeah. I'm Josh. I'm Rex, and uh, that was Harry Groner. Harry Groner, motherfuckers! (laughs) Have a merry fucking Christmas. Merry fucking Christmas! I think that's a South Park reference. I don't even know or care. done why are we watching this